What up, everybody? My name is Jason Moore, and thank you for streaming or downloading this episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast, Windsor's only local sports podcast. Dropping every other Monday morning on WindCitySports.com and anywhere podcasts are found, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, featuring interviews with local athletes, coaches, entrepreneurs, and more, bringing you the best in local sports interviews. WindCity Sports is really easy to find, but we have a big social media presence across the internet at WindCity underscore sports on Twitter and Instagram. We also have a Facebook page, of course, Win City Sports, Win City Sports Podcast, YouTube channel, uh, anything you could think of. Just simply search up Win City Sports. W I T C I T Y is all one word. Uh, if you're trying to find us on any app, um, social media platform, anything you might use, give us a like, follow, subscribe, give us a review on anything you might be into. Thank you very much. Today is Monday, March 15th. 2021 and it's episode 220 of the wind city sports podcast and this week on wind city sports you guessed it right we're getting back into hockey um we have a a lot more uh, hockey interviews coming up as i've talked um about in the last couple episodes um and you know players coaches both rather from windsor who have crossed paths here in windsor or stopped here in windsor and of course this week on wind city sports we have rocky thompson former windsor spitfires head coach uh, spent two seasons here, won the 2017 Memorial Cup as the host team uh, right here in Windsor on home soil, home ice, back uh, almost four years now, uh, ago now. Coming up this summer will be four years. So uh, Rocky played in the NHL. Um, this is a little bit of a different interview in the sense that we don't really talk about his playing career much. Usually, you know, we go through um, our guest's full story and, and you know, when you're a player and you become a coach in any sport, like we had Ed Philly on last week, I actually mentioned this as well, or last episode, I should say, um, you pretty much have two different lifetimes, two different careers, as one as a player and one as a coach, and that's pretty much what's happened is with Rocky. You know, he was a he was a fighter, to say the least. He was a tough uh, enforcer, defenseman for the Calgary Flames, and uh, I think also played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, uh, didn't play much in the NHL, to be honest. You know, I played in the AHL and, and the minors a lot. But then got into coaching uh, quickly, um, pretty quickly, and a little bit earlier than he anticipated, as you'll learn in the interview. Um, and has been very successful at that, you know. Coaching at all three levels, uh, making his way through the ranks um, in the Edmonton organization, really, which is a crazy story, um, a unique story that you'll never hear from, from a coach, I don't think, again. So he basically went from junior to, to the A to the NHL. And then went back through the ranks again, going, coming back here to Windsor for his first head coaching gig uh, in the OHL, back to the AHL. And now he is the assistant coach of the San Jose Sharks. That's pretty much what I should have opened up with. This <laughs> is so that we have the assistant coach of the NHL San Jose Sharks here on the show. Uh, head coach, obviously, Bob Bugner last year had him on, or maybe that's two years ago now. Yeah, two years ago almost, we had Bob and Warren Reichel on the show. Um, so... Now Rocky joining him, it was perfect uh, opportunity um, to get him on the show. I want to thank the San Jose organization and Ben from from the Sharks for setting it up. Um, unique situation setting it up as well. Uh, you know, uh, on the fly kind of guy is how Rocky rolls. Um, so we were able to get this done one night not too long ago. 
Sorry, I just had to pause there. I don't know if you guys heard that in the background. There was a trailer for Last Chance U, the basketball one, coming from Netflix from my room. It was uh, distracting, uh, coach yelling at the boys. But anyway, uh, back to Rocky Thompson. We're going to get into that interview in just a minute here. Uh, stellar interview with him, mostly about his, uh, again, his coaching career. His coaching career is is long and still young. Um, so we get into all of that. Uh, better yet, not even touching on every little topic. There was we could have talked more about the Chicago Wolves and and the Edmonton Oilers and stuff like that. He was assistant coach back in 2014-15. That was a uh, quite the year for uh, for Edmonton uh, off the ice, I suppose. Um, so we get into all that. We also talk about some cool stuff about him back in the early days. You know, obviously he's from Alberta. I think he's from the Calgary area. I think he's from Red Deer actually. Um, don't want to start any turf wars over there. He's from Red Red Deer played for the flames um we talked about growing up there and some some interesting um some other things he used to do um i'll leave it at that let's get into the interview now with former windsor spitfires head coach and now assistant coach of the san jose sharks in the nhl rocky thompson here we go right now we have on the phone this guy straight out of calgary alberta he even played for the flames back in his playing days but he's known as a rough and tough player in his junior days and into his last days on the ice he turned to coaching after retirement and was our windsor spitfires coach for some time he led the spits to the 2017 memorial cup rocky thompson welcome to the show well it's great to be here drake thanks for having me absolutely so as we were kind of talking before obviously you're out in in san jose right now you had a long playing career for uh, many years between many leagues but did you ever think you would get into coaching I did halfway through my my playing career. I, you know, as you get towards the end of it, you start to realize that um, it comes quicker than you would expect. Yeah. And so I love the game and I love playing and um, coaching was something. The coaches that I had over the years, I really looked up to, and I, I thought it was something that if uh, you know I worked hard enough at and got an opportunity to, that it's maybe something that I could uh, could one day be good at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people. Uh, like I think there's a lot of options in hockey, you know, once you're done playing. But a lot of people, you know, they hang up the skates and they're like, where do I go from here? Maybe you don't want to be a coach. Maybe it's something you're kind of like, ah, I don't know if it was something for me. So everyone's kind of has a different story, obviously, right? I wasn't sure uh, what boat you were in. Well, for me, I, I love the game. And so I, I wanted to stay in the game as long as I could. I could have kept playing. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. injured or anything like that. And, um, you know, there was still value for me as a player uh, in the American Hockey League. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, that opportunity came up. And um, I think with some people, coaching is a lot more work than when you're playing. Like as a player, yeah, it's work. you got to work out, and, you know, um, those types of things. But with coaching, your day starts first thing in the morning. And during the season, it ends, you know, late at night. And, and it's something that's always constantly on your mind. And so... Um, that's sitting good with me because, like I said, uh, I, I'm a fan of the game, but I'm a hockey junkie. Yeah. So, and I and I love I love winning. I love being competitive. And so, when you channel those things um, into your coaching, you know, and I love the players, and I love being a player. I love everything about those types of things: the locker room, the dressing room, the camaraderie, um, the coaching staff, the team within a team that we also have. Um, it's a it's a second best thing to playing, and so. Um, I wanted to put in the work and the effort to, to, to make that something that could potentially be a career. And I was very fortunate. I got, I got a lot of help along the way. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what you need, man. Um, 
it's obviously a different type of uh, type of job, you know, more of a grind in a sense. And obviously being a player is too. And there's that mental capacity, but uh, it's just, you know, probably a pretty big uh, mental game being a coach. And like you said, just working around the clock. No, for sure. And, um, you know, there's stress, but my whole, my whole life's been about that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. I, I was a wrestler, I was a boxer. And then when uh-huh. I played hockey, it was very physical, uh, physical, obviously as a hockey player too. So I've always been in those kind of combat type of situations. Now as a coach, it's not combat, but it's more mental yeah. and strategic. And, uh, again, those are things that um, I always gravitated towards. And so that when I find myself for something in the summer or during this pandemic, when you don't have that, you're, you're kind of yearning for that type of thing. Right. And, um, and so it was a natural transition for me and, and, and able to use my mind um, in a different way uh, than I did as an athlete. Yeah. That's, that's interesting, man. I mean, obviously, like I said, we knew you as a rough and tough player, but that that's a whole another thing is uh is uh getting into those combat sports that's where you learn those those values you know actually when ben texted me i, I was wrestling that's where i was so i uh i know oh, yeah. what you're talking about so it's kind of cool to, to hear that for myself um you know just but did you do that for hockey or was it a little bit of a of a passion of yours as well no i i was what i did first actually like i was in minor hockey as a kid but we had a really good wrestling club where i grew up in northern alberta we had a uh a, a gentleman who became a teacher, but he had a great collegiate wrestling career and he settled in this small town of Whitecourt. Chris Thomas was his name. And so he started the wrestling club there and I, and I was able to tag along with my older brother and we just started doing it. And he taught us, he was, he was an excellent coach and we, we went to nationals. Uh, we had a number of kids go to nationals. I placed fifth uh, at nationals, schoolboy nationals back in gosh. I can't remember what it was, 89, 90, I guess. Yeah. And my older brother wrestled too. And so we did a lot of, uh, you know, provincial uh, championships and all that stuff. And, and it was just something that we loved. My, my father wrestled growing up. I had uncles um, that were wrestlers in college. And so I, I loved the, the sport. And like you said, the discipline you learn from it and the strength and, and, the, and the competitiveness of it. And um, it was a lot of fun. And, and then when I was, uh, um, I guess I would have been about 14. I was, I'd already been wrestling for about six years and, um, a boxing club opened up nearby and I wanted to get into that cause I was a big fan. And so I started boxing as well. And, and you know, all the while I did play hockey, but I was a very average hockey player. Uh, I was okay in a small town, but once I was a very good wrestler and then I was, I was, I was, I did really well at boxing too, very quickly. And then I started going to these junior camp tryouts. And, you know, back then, you know, the way the game was played, the physicality and the fighting was much more part of the game. Like, you'd go to those junior camps and there'd be 10 fights in a scrimmage. It was crazy, right? Yeah. And, and so when I, I, was, I was a good wrestler, I was a good boxer. So when we got on the ice, it was like easy to do those things on the ice. And all of a sudden, that's really what sprung my career in hockey because I was then projected by the Medicine Hat Tigers as a 14-year-old. As a 16-year-old, I made their team. And, um, yeah, like the rest kind of is history from that point. I continued to box. I, I got out of wrestling because I, I did more of a uh, – I, I started training a little bit more for hockey, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah. and, and I was age, I was aging out, um, and I didn't go to college or anything like that. But I could still box. Um 
you know, during during the hockey season, literally, and then I could compete in the tournaments when our season would end. So <laughs> I was still competitively boxing after that, um, wow. all the way up until I, I turned pro as what? a hockey player. And then, then that kind of stopped, but I'd still go train and spar in the inner city boxing club in Calgary because I was with the Calgary Flames at the time, and so they had a great... Uh, you know, a number of professional fighters there and, and Ken Billinger senior. So I'd go down there and train all the time and uh, scar with the guys. It was great. Like, I just, I love the sport, right? That's sick, man. That, that, like, I always learn something about my guests that, you know, I obviously don't before we start talking, but you never would anticipate that. And obviously, you know, wrestling doesn't go hand in hand with hockey and a lot of guys get into boxing if they're in that role. So it's kind of cool to hear that you were, almost on the other side of things and, and brought that boxing mentality into hockey. Yeah, that's what, that's what it was first. It's kind of funny. Yeah, that's really <laughs> cool, man. work like that nowadays. The exactly. It's so much different. Exactly. Yeah, you have to be so fast and skilled and, and be a player, although there's still value in physicality, there's no doubt. But yeah, yeah. I don't think that route would be the same anymore. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. It's a, it's a different world. It was a different world back then, too. And I mean, I'm sure you got a lot of the... Rocky jokes being uh no, you have to live up to that name. So it was uh, it was funny. And my older brother, he was quite uh, you know he was a physical hockey player. He played pro as well too. So you know you kind of look up to those guys, right? Your you, you know your siblings and stuff. And so yeah. when you go and watch him, you're 12 years old and he's in these junior camps and he's out there fighting and everybody's kind of like you know he gets to move away from home, he gets to play junior, and you're like, man, that's cool. I want to do that. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. You, it all starts know, at those young yeah. ages. Yep, without a doubt. That's cool, man. And, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, we know you from your time here in Windsor. You had a long, long career in hockey all around. But your first co- first coaching gig was in the WHL where you played as a junior, uh, but with the Edmonton Oil Kings. So how did that come to be for you? Well, I played for the head coach's name was Steve Flo, uh, and he was appointed head coach of that expansion franchise, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Now, for Steve, I played with him two years prior. He was the head coach of the Peoria Rivermen, uh, the team oh. that I had played for, and I was one of his captains, so we obviously had a, a relationship there, and I applied for the job um, just on the off chance that maybe I could get it because, like I said, I knew my career was getting winding down, and I was looking at staying in the game and when Steve got that job in Edmonton it's kind of like my hometown my wife is from just outside of Edmonton in a suburb I grew up north of Edmonton in Whitecourt and so that seemed like man if I could get this job that would be great and I would be able to work with you know a person who, who was my head coach at one point so long story short he ended up hiring me as the assistant coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings and we worked together for, for three seasons there, so it was a great introduction into the game and, and really like a crash course. You know, he gave mm. me a lot of responsibility, and he was a very good coach. He's one of the, I think he might be in charge of amateur scouting now for the Calgary Flames, and he has been there for a long time. He kind of transitioned out of coaching, so. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure your passion for the game, like you were talking about before, probably made it easy to transition into that, right? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. It, it was you got to watch hockey all day, you're pre-scouting, and then you're, like I said, you just channel that competitiveness into a chess match of how you're going to help your team succeed, right? Now, of course, I was just learning those types of things and how I could be a benefit yeah. uh, as a coach. Yeah, again, those are the, the early days of, of your whole new career as a coach pretty much at that point. And, you know, there's always a connection yeah. um, within within hockey. You know, I figured that, 
you knew you knew Steve or somebody. But it's cool to hear that you actually ap- applied for the job. You know, a lot of times it's just a simple phone call, and maybe that was uh, the same sort of thing, or maybe it was another job op- application when it came to the AHL. A few years after Edmonton, you you jumped up there for a bit. How did that happen? Well, I, I ended up uh, I was let go as a coach with uh, the Oil Kings. We were we were an expansion franchise, so we didn't have a lot of success there. And um, and so Steve was like going, I was like, oh, I had one year left on my contract. So I started looking and, and putting my name out there. And believe it or not, nothing like I couldn't I couldn't get a triple A coaching job. <laughs> um, everything had kind of, you know, um, been filled, if you will. I, I applied to tier two junior coaching staff, all this other stuff. And and, and I, I couldn't get a job. And um, and so what I did was. Uh, uh, Scott Housen was with the Edmonton Oilers before when I was a player. And so I phoned Scott. He was a GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I, and I, I asked if, um, I basically said I would volunteer to be an assistant coach uh, for their American League team because I was already being paid by the Oil, the Edmonton Oilers organization with the Oil Kings for another year. So I was like, listen, I'll come work for free and prove to you guys that I can be, a good, you know, I'm a good coach and I have potential. And um, so Scott thought that, that was interesting. So he ended up phoning Kevin Lowe with the Edmonton Oilers because, like I said, they were paying my salary. And um, and Kevin got off the phone because Scott said, "Hey, do you mind? We, we were, you know, Rocky interviewed with our head coach, and they want to bring him on. He's volunteering. You know, we're not going to pay him, but you guys are paying his salary. I just want to know that you guys are good with this type thing, right?" And so Kevin got off the phone, and he was like, "Why? Why are we going to pay Rock to?" work for the Columbus Blue Jackets organization, you know, because I had been let go by the junior team, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had applied, it's a long story and it's funny, but I applied yeah. with Todd Nelson with the Oklahoma City Barons, who was the Edmonton Oilers farm team. They had one other assistant coach, Jerry Fleming, and um, and so Todd was interested, but it never got past that stage of, of being interviewed. And um, I even brought it up to Edmonton at one point with one of their um, assistant GMs just saying, hey, listen, I'll volunteer, let me go down to Oklahoma and just see, you know, you're paying me anyway. And again, they never really followed up on it. It wasn't until that I was willing to volunteer for another organization that it kind of, um, the people in charge, Kevin Lowe, said, this is this is crazy, let's have Rock interview with Todd Nelson and see if Nellie wants him to be down there since we're paying him one year anyway. And if it works out great, if it doesn't, long story short, I went down, hit it off with Nellie, and we ended up working together. Five years later, I was an assistant coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was insane. fired, rehired, got a promotion all within three months. Uh, <laughs> it, it just, it's funny how the Lord works, right? Like, yeah. it was uh, a huge opportunity, and um, it ended up uh, it ended up working out great. And, you know, from that point, like I said, I've worked with a lot of really good people, and, um, you know, worked really hard to try and get better as a coach, and, you know, when obstacles came up that, um, uh, you know, that was a huge one, right? Like yeah. I, I, I thought I wasn't going to get a job. It was already September when I got that phone call and the, the Oilers were going into training camp. And next thing you know, a week later, I, I was I was working again. And I, I've been able to work uh, ever since. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was that was like 11, 12 years ago now, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's, that's that's the beginning of your coaching career, really, too. I mean, like, if you look at it, it looks like you just, I mean, on paper, it looks like you go through the system. You go from the Oil Kings to the Barons, and like you said, to the Oilers. And you didn't even know uh, Todd Nelson before that? 
No, I didn't know Nelly. I, I met him at the draft that year in, in Los Angeles, and I just introduced myself, and he had just gotten that Oklahoma job, and I said, hey, um, you know, if you're looking for assistant coaches, here's my number. Um, I phoned him again probably in August, and he said, he goes, he goes, no, I am interested, Rock, but, you know, I'm kind of waiting on Edmonton to see if they're, they're willing to have a second assistant because he already had one assistant. And so at the time, you know, not every team had two assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. And so then it just kind of evolved from there where I, you know, I said, listen, I'll volunteer. I'm already being paid. And so he said, no, I, I, I'm not against that either. I, I need them to approve it. And like I said, it just never got past the the next wave until right at the last second when another team w- was kind of willing to give me that opportunity to, um, to basically volunteer for them, you know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so then it worked out great. And, that, you know, like I said, Nelly and I are still close to this day, and, and we worked together for a long time, and that really kind of elevated my career um, from that point. And then, it, and then mm-hmm. I got the Windsor job after – uh, one year with the Edmonton Oilers as an assistant. I met Bob down in Florida at the draft, and he was moving on to San Jose, and, and he was looking for a head coach, and I had never head coached before, and it was something I wanted to do, and I thought that, um, you know, I always saw myself as a head coach, and um, that opportunity came up. I hit it off with him and, and, and Warren, obviously, and, um, yeah, I ended up getting that job uh, with the Spitz, and, you know, obviously Trevor... And uh, Jared Smith, we were, on, we were all uh, a staff together, and it was amazing staff. And, you know, we were coming in just out of kind of a rebuild that Boogie and, and Bundy did there yeah. that um, we were able to, I kind of came in at the right time. And, um, you know, we were able to, to persevere with some, again, uh, we, we had an unreal division that year where we were fifth place and we, we had 90-some points, I think, and yeah. we didn't get home ice in the playoffs. Like, it was, it was nuts how good our division was in the OHL that year. And um, you can see all the players that are now playing in the NHL that, that, that we, we coached as well in Windsor, but at the teams that we played against, um, it was a pretty special time. And then the Memorial Cup, obviously, in, mm-hmm. in Windsor was, out, was outstanding, right? Yeah. Man, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard a story uh, like, your, like yours in, uh, you know, going through the ranks of coaching. And uh, obviously, so like you said, you, you met with Bob at the drive, ended up coming down here. And to allude what you were saying um, just a minute ago, there, uh, I'm looking at the teams, you know, doing some research for this for this interview, and um, it's crazy to think that like they actually had what your first season, the best record since the you know the famous 2009-10 era, your first coaching gig, an established team, and still like middle of the pack, like it was a crazy time. Like you think back and think like, ah, oh, they weren't that good, they weren't you know the top team, but you, you pretty much could have been or should have been. Yeah, we were we were a really really good team. Yeah. Like, and and you look at how tightly packed the division was. That's what um, I'm saying. Yeah, and, and we had yeah we had to play each other all the time. So for us to to get that many points, um, you know, it, it was it was it was tough. Like every night was uh, was a dogfight. Um, and, and and you know what? That's what pro hockey's like. That's what the NHL is like. Like there's the you know, sometimes in junior, you'll get to that point where there's a bit of a discrepancy, right, between, um, you know, those lower teams and those upper teams. Um, but but in the National League, there, there's not as much of a discrepancy in junior. It can happen. But that year, it was like, e- even some of the teams like Flint that was coming out of it, they were a really good team. Yeah. Like, they just, 
they were hard to beat too, you know, like they, it's not like it was like an easy game when you walked in there anymore, you know, like it was probably the previous year. It was like, holy smokes, you got to earn all these, these points like Saginaw. These are teams that didn't make the playoffs, but it was like, or, or they were the bottom, they were the bottom teams, you know, the seven, eight teams, but it was still like, we would only beat them by like a goal or two. Like yeah. every game was a one goal win, a two goal win, whether they were, um, you know, the bottom teams or whether they were Erie when we played Erie, like we would grind out one goal wins, two goal wins. Like we had great goals against the average. Obviously Mikey was good, but we played a really good team defense game. And I think that that's why, um, you know, it, when we got into the Memorial Cup, that was really able to help us out against those powerhouse offensive teams like, like Erie and stuff was because we, we were so accustomed to just grinding out things, right? Yeah. That you got into those tight situations. I think our guys are really used to it, you know? And, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of, just a lot of hard work to be done. I mean, uh, Windsor fans can be tough on the spits. I mean, um, we'll be the, the first to admit that, and, you know, they'll say they shouldn't be losing to teams like this or, you know, it should be, uh, it shouldn't be one goal games, but to allude to like you know how tight that that year was uh well actually better yet the second year same sort of thing you know uh into that memorial cup is it crazy to think you didn't get past the first round um well it was tough because we had the three to one lead on london but then tyler parsons just he went unconscious in those last three games um and and so that that and they were close again and and I I never like to blame refing on anything like that because we still might have lost in game seven, but there was a call that Bouchard dived on Gabriel Velarde who might have had four penalty minutes you know what I mean all year right and and they make the call and and you put London on the power play that it's it's a bad call at the end of the day. And, um, you know, they, they had the best power play in the league. Now, we had the best penalty kill in the league, yeah. but it was just the situation of it. it. It was like, we and I'm not saying that if it's a legitimate penalty, you shouldn't be called in a playoff game. You should. You trip a guy, you do something crazy, 100%. You high stick somebody, it should get called, regardless of playoffs. This was like a, this was crazy, like a bump behind the net where Bouchard in London was notorious for diving. They did. Uh, we got fined in the playoffs because it happened earlier in the series. And then it kind of put the league on notice and, and London tightened it up. And then all of a sudden they, they you know, they started doing it again, right? Yeah. And so that, that, that was tough because it, the, we played well and our guys did play good. Um, and London was a very good team too. Like they got loaded there. You look at the guys that, uh, that are playing in the National League that were on that team as well. And then, like I said, we got to Tyler Parsons early in the series, and I give him a ton of credit because he he stood on his head, and that's not disparaging Mikey DiPietro or nothing, because even when we pulled our goalie in that game seven, like, we we were peppering them. I don't know how, Sergeyev had, had like an empty net, and Parsons somehow came back and made a huge save, um, you know, less than a minute to go. And, uh, yeah, it just was one of those things that was really tough, but it was just another level of adversity that, that our guys had to go through, that we as a staff had to go through. Um, and it made me a better coach, again, during that long layoff and, and um, you know, all these challenges, if you look at them in, in the right light, it's an opportunity for you to improve. And that's what I'm always striving to do. That's what I always want my players to do whether things are going good or things, you know, it's tough is, 
it, it, everything's an opportunity for you to get better. And um, if you if you approach things the right way and have the right attitude and, and dig deep, then you will you will improve. And I think our guys did that, and I know for a fact I did. It, it made me a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buying in that season was a to the plan was a huge huge part of that aspect. Just doing the hard work, and we're going to get into that in a sec. You know, uh, that little break before the Mem Cup. But talking about you know that those two years making you a better coach uh, during that time, you got to do some some different coaching experiences too like the super series and the under 17 tournaments sometimes talk about this stuff with the with the players but as a coach do you feel that those experiences are, are very vital oh 100 percent. like uh, to coach internationally against team russia that that was huge yeah. uh, the u17s was a lot of fun too like the super series was the one and then we went to the u17 tournament uh with all the i think it was the 2000 borns um, that was really cool too. And, um, you know, the training that you do for it, all the work and preparation that goes into those short term competitions. Um, again, that's valuable. And that, that's kind of what the Memorial Cup is also like too, right? So you, you glean the knowledge and the information and then you're working with coaches from around different leagues and, and coming together and collaborating. So, uh, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to yeah. compete and to see those other players and to be in that environment. And then ultimately, you're representing your country, which is the first time I was able ever to do that in hockey. Yeah, so definitely some firsts here during your time in Windsor. Like you said, first head coaching gig, first experience doing those, and then uh, first and only time in the Memorial Cup. So, you know, let's kind of get into it. Uh, Obviously, there's a little bit of added pressure that year due to the fact that, A, obviously the Spitfires fans are uh, are hard on the team, but that you guys are hosting the Mem Cup as well. Talking about everything that, that happened with London, do you guys, did, do you feel or did the team feel that that was kind of a, a little bit of a fire underneath you guys to, to prove everybody wrong? Well, I don't know if it had to do anything to do with London. It, it was just about about ourselves. Like our guys wanted wanted to win. They knew the opportunity to play in the Memorial Cup really was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And, um, you know, that that's really what drove us. And uh, I give our, our staff a, a ton of credit uh, because it was hard, right? Like coming back in there and, and doing the work without being able to play, you know, for a long time. Um, and again, just being prepared and having a plan in place and sticking to it. Um, the psychology behind all those types of things as well. Um, our, our guys bought in at the end of the day. They, they bought into it. It wasn't easy, but they started to do the work. And... Um, and they, you know, I, it's hard to describe, but they, there was something there that, that continued to drive them. And really, I, I just, they came together as a group. And um, a lot of people um, are, are to give credit to for, for that reason and how that came to be. But um, it was something special. And, and it, I, I always have a tough time putting that into words because you had to be a part of it to understand it at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not a hard question, but it's hard to kind of like to, like you said, translate it to, to someone who wasn't there. Right. Like I always go back. I talked to Joey Garland about it. I always go back to what he says, which is pretty much what you said, is that the guys, they bought in. And once that happened, everyone was on board and it just the train started rolling, you know. Yeah, they were willing to work. They started having fun with that, too. Yeah, right? like they were having fun there while we were working. That's what we wanted to do as a staff is, is create a fun environment, but, but one that was also accountable, not like 
to me, hard work is fun. I, I, I believe that. And you can work really hard while having fun. Like, it doesn't have to be a grind. It doesn't have to be. If you have the right attitude, um, you know, and, and our guys did. And the people that, you know, as a staff, we did. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't easy. Sometimes the guys didn't want to work, right? But we would hold them accountable. And, you know, and, and again, the, the environment that we had in the room was, was good. And so we were able to, uh, to get through those hard days. And, um, and then once the, the light at the end of the tum- tunnel started to get closer, then, then this excitement really started to build. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to mention that back when you were talking about the the under seventeen tournaments and stuff like that too. I mean, you got to have a little fun. You want it to be fun because you love the game. That's what it's all about, right? And you know, of yep. course, we can't we can't skip over the the tournament. I, I got to go to a few of the games. Gave us a one exciting uh, final game as well. So, what are some of your memories when you kind of think back to that tournament again? Maybe not a, a hard question, but at the same time, it is to put it in words. The U-17 one? No, the Memorial Cup. In, oh. Well, it, it, it was such a blur because, like, from the time it starts to the time it finishes, you're so locked in and focused. Like, you would go home. You'd be watching the other teams that were playing. Like, you'd watch their games live. You'd go home. You'd have all your prep work done for the next day. And... Um, you know, getting getting that first game underway when we started, like the first four shifts of the first game, we were playing uh, St. John. It was like I was like, "Wow, we look really good." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was yeah. like, "Man, we we don't look that rusty. Like we no. look good." And we were doing a lot of scrimmage scenarios and stuff um, that tried to make it so we would have that kind of a feel that we weren't rusty, and we actually weren't. Um, and then there was pressure at the end where. St. John started to close the gap on us and, you know, they came back late in the game and we had to hold on to that one goal lead. And, um, and then, and then again, we had a, a really good game against Seattle on the next one um, that we kind of cruised a bit in that game. Like, again, we, our guys got confidence. So I think we scored seven goals. Like we, you know, guys felt good about their game after the St. John game. And then with the Seattle game, they started to get a little bit of a swagger, if you will, with it. And then we knew the real test, they all were a test, but then the big test. Everybody knew how good Erie was. They were by far the best. Yeah, the best team in the in the in the tournament. Yeah, um, and they they were steamrolled everybody else. You know, Seattle had a really good goaltending performance against them with their young kid. The game before we played them against against Erie and kept it close for a while. And then Erie just but they dominated the whole game, right? Then when we played Erie, it was we, we played really well in that game. Like we played well, we got a lead, we kept the lead, and um, they had a good push in the end. But we 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 won. Like we we controlled the game. It was close. I got the saves from Mikey when we needed to, and um, and then we got that buy, which was huge. And then again, we got some confidence out of it, being like, okay, wow, like they were good and they played well too. But like. You know, we're, we're good too. It's like that kind of realization, I think, amongst players, they start to feel. And amongst the staff, it's like, okay, like this is working. Stick to the plan. We, we defended well. Um, you know, we, we play hard. We're very stingy and, and we controlled our emotion during those games. We didn't take a lot of penalties. And um, we managed pucks. At the end of the day, we were a big team and we wanted to play down low in the offensive zone. Um, and limit their transition game because of it, because they're so dynamic off the rush, and that we could wear them out and grind them out with just possession play. That was our game plan. 
And we were able to do that and um, and keep games close, keep them tight so that the stress of the game maybe would wear on them a little bit more than it would wear on us. And so that that's what ended up happening. We got that we got that lead in the third period. I mean, we had to come back in the second period. Got a huge, uh, huge goal, I think, by Graham Knott uh, at the end of the second period on the power play to go into the third even. And then um, going into the third, I remember just talking to the guys and just being quite confident myself with how we were playing, but then instilling that in them, like to, to let them know, hey, guess what? We got this. I just feel it. That's all I said to them. I know. I said, I just know it. We got this. And you guys are ready. You've been playing great the entire tournament. Now it's time just to go out there and keep doing it. Have the confidence to do it because we got this. I just know it. And then we went out there and again, uh, we scored that big goal with Aaron Lucic. Aaron Lucic got it from, um, got it from Brock out of the corner and uh, scored. And there was a lot of time left, 14 minutes and change, I think. And um, and then poor Cole Perbu, I think he took a penalty. After that, at some point around the 10-minute mark, <laughs> that poor guy, he's like, oh, no, because we hadn't played him much, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think it was cool. He got a penalty. It was like, oh, my gosh. And it was not a, you know, it was a little bit of a weak call, right? And so, anyway, we got a big kill there, and then they went six on five. And, and really, we didn't give up much. They did uh, hit a post, though. Um, yep. They got the one good chance, and uh, uh, Strom hit the post. And then Mikey, yeah, Mikey made a couple of saves that he should make. And we were able to win some draws at the right time to get the right clears to keep grinding the clock out. It was, yeah, that's how I remember it. I'm surprised I remember all those. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Like I said, it it could be a blur even four years ago almost now. I mean, it's Windsor history, man. It's cool to hear because, you know, talk to a few of the guys and similar, similar stories and, you know, we see what we see on the ice, but we never really get to to hear and, and see what's going on behind closed doors. So it's cool to see it kind of translate, see the plan uh, come to be and, and played out. Uh, very cool stuff, man. Yeah. And, you know, quickly after that season, uh, you made the jump back to the AHL with the Chicago Wolves as we begin to wrap it up here. That was another one of your head coaching uh, stints. Led them to the finals in your second year and obviously more vital experience that led you to getting the call from the Sharks this year. Like you said, you pretty much replaced Bob as the coach of the Spitz, and now uh, we're probably hired by him. So which is, what's it like to coach with Bob now? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, Bo- Boogie's great. Like I said, we, we formed that relationship years ago when he was the owner of the Spitz and had moved on, and, you know, he entrusted me and, uh, you know, with guiding the ship down there from, from the coaching standpoint. And so... Uh, we stayed close after that, and, and like I say, I got the opportunity to coach in Chicago, and we had a number of great years there in Chicago as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I wanted to get back to the NHL uh, to course, have, yeah. you know, hopefully a, a more increased role than I had had in the past because I was a rookie coach at the time, my first time in Edmonton, and, yeah. you know, I felt like I was ready to take another step in, in the coaching game and to get that experience at the NHL level too. Ultimately, I do want to be a head coach, and Bob knows that. I want to be a head coach in the NHL. And, um, you know, I want to continue to do the things that are going to improve me and coming and, and uh, working with Bob, I thought was certainly going to be something that would be an unbelievable opportunity if, if there was something that he, you know he he wanted as well, um, you know. And then obviously during that process, it, it kind of looked like it would fit perfectly uh, on both sides uh, for myself and for him. 
for, for what he needed um, and what I felt I could bring to help the team. And uh, like you say, we, it's a challenge, right? Because uh, we've lost a lot of good players uh, from San Jose. And um, there, there's young players coming in that we're kind of, um, you know, insulating into our roster right now and developing well in the same breath in a very, very good division with, a, you know, you look at the St. Louis Blues and the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, Colorado Avalanche, you know, in the primes of their teams um, that we're, we're, we're right in the fight with those guys. And, and again, you look at Arizona and, and L.A. teams that are coming out of a rebuild that uh, look good as well and are improving too, that um, it's a great opportunity for us uh, to take the, a roster and to, you know, hopefully improve it and, and get into the playoffs. 100%, man. It's really cool for us uh, Windsor fans, Windsor Spitfires fans, to see the dynamic, to see you guys on the bench there. A lot of coaching history in Windsor. And uh, it's cool to see, again, like you said, uh, or like I said, you guys behind the bench and to get you on the show. So, Thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. Well, I, I appreciate it, Drake. And, and I want to just finish by saying I absolutely love my time in Windsor with the people. They're hard on the spits, and that's fine. That's fair. It's because of their passion. But the people of Windsor were amazing to myself, to my family, uh, to my kids. Uh, we loved it there. And, and it really it was a home away from home. So. Uh, that's cool, you know, I miss Windsor, and yeah. I, I look forward to coming back and visiting every time I can. I love it there. All right, all right, all right. There we have it. Rocky Thompson on the Wind City Sports Podcast. Great chat with him. It came a little unexpectedly. I got a text uh, while I was at the gym, like I mentioned in the interview. Um, I was uh, grappling at the at Central. Um, just opening back up. And then I was able to come home and, and land an interview with Rocky Thompson. It was cool to hear that, you know, um, obviously with a name like Rocky. Um, kind of live up to that, I suppose, in the gym as a boxer. Um, but it was cool to hear that, you know, um, the hockey guy was doing that kind of stuff before he even got really into the, the ranks of hockey. To You know, a lot of, like I said, a lot of hockey players who are enforcers will get into boxing and stuff like that um, for obvious reasons. And, and it does, like we've talked here on the show many times before with Cedric Ben and, and other people, the, the core strength and the core um discipline and values and stuff like that that boxing gives you will translate to all sports but um it's cool to hear that he was doing that and wrestling too um it's a whole nother thing uh, i always say that uh, i'm surprised that more football players don't do wrestling um wouldn't necessarily say that about hockey players because it doesn't it honestly doesn't really translate into what they do um i guess unless you're an enforcer but um, it was cool to hear, you know, a little bit of a different background. He came from a different different world, you know, in, in regards to sports, you know. So unique, different. Uh, I always say, you know, sometimes these things, uh, these interviews can be a little repetitive. Same sort of thing. Another Windsor Spitfire, the same team, same thing. But everyone's got a little bit of a different story, a different story to tell, something interesting to talk about. Um, so, again, thank you to Rocky and Ben for, uh, for taking the time to do that. Actually talked to him a little bit before the interview. It was the night uh, after they beat Colorado six to one or something like that, which is pretty rare to see. And it was kind of cool to talk to him. He was talking about the the lineup in, in Colorado and the team that they have, and the fact that Cal McCarr being out was a was a big factor. So uh, cool stuff, you know. Love to love to do it. And speaking of speaking of the show, we always wrap it up by uh, going through the Twitter feed here and see what I missed in the last two weeks as. Uh, 
we only release every two weeks now. Uh, it used to be a weekly show, but you know, less is more. This has been uh, been pretty good lately. Uh, we'll go we'll go backwards more uh, a little bit uh, more recent. There's a good story on Spitfire Connor Concorin who's playing in the uh, Vegas Golden Knights developmental system right now. There's a nice piece that came out on him. Um, uh, it seems like Dale Mitchell has uh, has hung up the skates. Former Windsor Spitfire, he was a guest here on episode 109. Stellar career for this guy. He pretty much won the Memorial Cup, the first one for us. He won two Memorial Cups with Windsor. Um, he was drafted to the Marlies, played in the AHL, eventually went overseas and was killing it over there in Denmark for years. And you um, hear all that in, in our interview with him. But uh, congratulations on a, on a hell of a career, a uh, hell of a guy, the mustache man, as you know him as uh, from here in Windsor. And I'm sure he'll be coming back uh, to the area uh, locally, sort of. He lives in the area, so congratulations to Dale for uh, for a hell of a career after um, fuck probably over ten year, ten years ish of uh, playing pro and a long junior career too. He's a hell of a player. Um, earlier this week marked the one year anniversary of all the the, the shit, and uh, the last time the Spits were on the ice was actually a week ago today um, for uh, I think a game. Yeah, it looks like. Uh, crazy times, man. Crazy times. Um, we're gonna get into a little bit more stuff like that in a little bit, but go back to episode 123 of Win City Sports to hear Jacob Robson. He's trying to land a spot on the Detroit Tigers this season. He's playing for the team in spring uh, spring training. He um, he scored a scored a, a game winning run. Uh, I guess <laughs> trying to think of baseball terms. It's been a long time since I've had to. I had to talk about that, but he's trying to land a spot on there, and, and we've talked about it before. If he does, we'll have at least one player in every uh, major sport, the big four from Windsor. That'll be Jacob Robson playing for our Detroit Tigers across the border. We have two new recruits to the Windsor Lancers from the Peterborough Peets. John Parker Jones and Matt McNara from the Peterborough Peets in the OHL have been added to the Windsor Lancers men's hockey team. For the 2021-22 season uh, pending. Speaking of all that kind of stuff we were talking about before, the NBL of Canada officially announced the cancellation of their 2020-2021 season, including our Windsor Express. Another one bites the dust. It's a shame to see. Um, I was just thinking about it not too long ago. I almost feel bad. You know, there's not enough um, NBL of Canada stuff to to post, and I, I haven't been giving them enough love lately. So. There'll be some anniversaries coming up of our championship wins. They are a two-time NBL Canada, Canada championship winning team. Um, so hopefully by 2022, or better yet, even later in the season, they try to uh, to get back to action. Um, I think later at the end of this year is when they were actually anticipating to move into the uh, Windsor Arena. If that proposal is, I think actually, if I recall correctly, the city kind of put it on the back burner for a couple of years anyway. Uh, before the pandemic even happened so will be uh, interesting to see what happens with that but hopefully they just get back to play in general and finally we'll call him Windsor's own born in Windsor but uh, raised in Michigan Cam Fowler played his 700th NHL game um, earlier this week uh, or this month I should say Um, Memorial Cup champion in 2010 Cam Fowler born here in Windsor but raised in Michigan also a former Windsor Spitfire that's pretty much all the news I got for you this episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast. So that is all. going to wrap it up right now. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new interview. 
new episode and hopefully some more news about local sports in Windsor, Essex, and beyond. My name is Drake Demore. I'm here every other Monday on windcitysports.com. First thing in the morning, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are found, or easily just go to windcitysports.com. If you're ever trying to find us, W-I-N-C-I-T-Y is all one word. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at windcity underscore sports. Um, YouTube channel, give us a follow on there, or subscribe on there. Like, follow, subscribe, and whatever app you might use, social media you might use. And um, a review on anything you might use. Give us a big five-star review. We'll be back again in two weeks from now. You can also follow me, Drake Demore, on Twitter and Instagram, at Drake Demore. But until next time, smell you later.